episode of Setting the Tone and ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 8, Episode 15, which is held, It's All in Your Head. The episode aired on February 28, 2002. Lauren, what was going that week 21 years ago? The 19th Winter Olympic Games begin in Salt Lake City, Utah. I somehow completely forgot these happened. I'm just like, oh yeah, we did have <laughs> an know. Olympic Games when I was like 10. It's um, Utah. It's easy to forget. The U.S. Department of <laughs> Energy selects Yucca Mountain. Yeah, Mountain? Y- yeah, Yucca. Y- Yucca Mountain. Yucca um, Mountain in Nevada for its next nuclear waste depository. However, after fierce and continued backlash from both nearby towns and the state of Nevada, the project has yet to break ground. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. It's like Obama mentioned it like twice during his entire eight years in office. Trump mentioned it once. Biden has yet to mention it at all. It's just, it's political poison at this point. Yep. Weird. Uh, Actress Sophia Lillis is born. Lillis is best known for her role as young Beverly Marsh in the 2017 version of Stephen King's It. She she reprised the role in the 2019 version chapter two and will co-star in the upcoming film dungeons and dragons honor among thieves i thought you'd appreciate that lauren i appreciate the it connection i could care less about the D movie but the, hey, the, the movie that's like the movie that stupid i fun the movie that i just learned existed this week uh, good job while we were walking around and we passed a theater there was a big sign for it and i was like really had not had not uh, heard a single word about it Daniel, I appreciate how much you lived 10 years ago in pop culture. You're my favorite. <laughs> we love you. Uh, Sylvia, Rivera, Sylvia Rivera, a major force in the transgender and gay rights movements in the 70s and beyond, dies due to complications from liver cancer at the age of 50. I started reading that so positive. This is what I get for not reading ahead, you guys. It's, uh, you know, if it's someone from the transgender or gay rights movement of the 70s, it's probably something bad. Yeah, you're right. Well, I didn't even get to the where. Anyway, um, new movies over the short break include John Q, Collateral Damage, Super Troopers, and the Britney Spears movie Crossroads. This week, though, Queen of the Damned, the vampire movie starring Aaliyah and Stuart Townsend, debuts and takes the number one box office spot. The film contains Aaliyah's second and final movie performance following her death in 2001. That's fucked up. And Always on Time by Ja Rule featuring Ashanti takes over the top spot in the music charts. Am Dan- I horrible? Oh. Am I horrible for appreciating the fact that it's a vampire movie? That's I'm, awful, Lizzie. And I'm, That's- I'm pretty sure that the only reason that movie ended up at number one was be- because of the fact that she had died. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure that movie is regarded as universally terrible oh so, yeah it got like, terrible reviews so like the it. only reason that it was getting a push was because of the fact that she had died before it came out i i only have a soft spot for it because of course i was a kid who grew up like loving vampires and this was one of the first like uh trashy vampire movies that i saw when i was like 11 or 12 by the time i finally watched it so yeah. that was that's why it gets a little bit of a soft spot for me but yeah no it's trash <laughs> it's trash and Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One Where Joey Tells Rachel. 
at 8.30, we got a new show to talk about. Uh, don't get used to it, though. It won't be around for long. Uh, Leap of Faith with its pilot episode, Detours, a sitcom starring Sarah Paulson about a 30-something uh, woman who calls off her engagement and dives back into single life with the help of her friends. Co-stars included Ken Marino, Lisa Edelstein, Tim Meadows, Jim, Jill Clayburgh, and Regina King. It was canceled after six episodes. So okay. yeah, not great. Uh, it it pulled decent numbers, being that it was it had the lead in of Friends. It averaged like eighteen million viewers per episode, but you know critical reception was not great. So it only gets six episodes. Lisa Edelstein's pretty, just waiting for House to show up. Pretty much, yeah. And I'm pretty glad stuff these days doesn't get, doesn't get canceled after six episodes or three episodes or whatever. These, yeah. Like, at least Netflix has the common courtesy to finish the season yeah yeah i guess that is one silver lining of even though netflix can be very quick to pull the trigger on uh, pull the plug on something at least they let it get to a, a somewhat of a reasonable conclusion r.i.p glow uh, i think that, that that was more of a pandemic kill than it was don't a, care a netflix kill, it was a tax write-off i don't yeah. care it's still absolutely it still was devastating it was still devastating uh, at 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode Someone Old, Someplace New. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Friends and Neighbors. Uh, this week's episode had 24.9 million viewers tuning in, directed by uh, Roger Two himself, Vondi Curtis Hall, doing his second out of two episodes. So this is his last one as a director. A uh, previous one of his from this season was Start All Over Again. And written by uh, everybody's problematic fave writer, R. Scott Gemmel, doing his 12th out of 32 and previous ones of his from this season include Beyond Repair, If I Should Fall from Grace, and Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Is it any surprise that the uh, the joke that we're going to talk about in this episode is an R. Scott Gemmel original? Like, is it, <laughs> Took me a minute, but is, yep. Is, is it any surprise? No, like, not at all. You mean you're not going to put it at the very beginning before the theme song, Daniel? Uh, tonally, I think it's going to be weird, so I'm probably going to do it at the end of the episode as a stinger. But Yeah, uh, please. I, or we can just listen to it. When no, it comes we'll no, we'll uh, uh, we'll throw it at the end as a little treat for anybody who wants to stick around. But it's just uh, so uniquely R. Scott Gemmel that no one else could have written it. Like you couldn't have Neil Bear or Lydia Woodward or any of the like old guard write that joke. It has to be R. Scott Gemmel. I just want to start people's Thursdays off on a really weird foot. Is that so wrong? They're I mean, already it's already really weird. They're listening. Yeah. To, uh, yep, <laughs> Daniel beat me to it. Uh, anyway, let's uh, we begin the episode with a preview slam by Carrie, and we open in New York. Um, we are the Dean Martin song "Ain't That a Kick in the Head." A hey, that's a t- title of a quest line in uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, playing as we do a overhang of Central or overshot of Central Park, and we go to Mark sitting in his in a waiting room in New York, where he has a follow up with his uh, surgeon, so let's listen to that. I apologize for how late he's running. It's okay. I'm sure he'll be with you any moment. I can wait. I'll see you in two weeks. Oh, Judy will give you all your pre-op instructions before you leave. Thank you. You've come to the right place, Mary. Mark, you look good. You too. How was your flight? Uneventful. Yeah, the best kind. Elizabeth with you? Not this time. See this area? It's called ring enhancement. It encircles the cavity where we removed your tumor. Could it be inflammation from a vaccine? No. What about a side effect from radiation? 
The spec MRI shows peak of creatine and choline with the depressed NAA, which rules out radiation necrosis. I'm afraid it's definitely tumor regrowth. Don't you need a biopsy? Mm -hmm. Spectroscopy was conclusive. How soon can you operate? I can't. Not this time. The tumors invaded the eloquent areas of the brain that control speech and motor function. If I start digging around in there now, the side effects would be devastating. You wouldn't be able to walk, talk, feed yourself. Which is exactly what'll happen as the tumor grows. Some of the cells must have been radiation resistant. So what are my options, man, other than sticking a shotgun in my mouth? Your best bet now is stereotactic radio surgery. The gamma knife's safe and effective, and they can do it in Chicago. And if it works? The average is uh, four, maybe five years? Months. So, I'm back where I started. You should have been dead a year ago, Mark. You got married, saw your daughter be born. I'd say that was time well spent. <laughs> so it's come to this. Yep. Bummer, man. Oh, that musical uh, it's score. So, I was about to say, like, that was going to be my thing, was that musical cue is so good. Especially when he says, you know, uh, four to five and he's like years and then he goes months and then there's this hard base of just like boom like just bomb dropped on his head uh it's this i mean we always knew it was going to come to this but it's still like it still doesn't make it any easier to stomach yeah like it's still a very like ugh, like you're and we're not even to the hard part yet yeah yeah like this is really the 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 beginnings of it so like we still have a lot of I, I forget just how like much there is to this still to go with this story like we're, we're we have just yet begun to fight with this and it's like whoo and it, i will and, say though it is much easier to stomach in a format like this where we go week by week versus binging it because when you binge mm-hmm. it it sucks so much but it is sort of like ripping a band-aid off you just kind of get it over with but yeah i'm not gonna lie this is y'all y'all are gonna laugh because like You'd think we never want to touch ER again after this, but I think after we finish STT in 80 years, I'm going to go back and do a binge watch and just, like, <laughs> eat it like candy after doing this so homeworky because, like, I want to <laughs> I wanna just dig into it with everything we've talked about. But, um, yeah, I also – shout out to – to uh, – I almost said Anthony Green. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Edwards <laughs> for um, – for just how good he is with, I don't know if we'd call it gallows humor or just that deadpan delivery where he's just like, so what else do I do besides, you know, put a shotgun in my mouth? Like he is so good with those. Like we had that scene last season with him and Elizabeth where he was doing the same shit. And that's one thing where I might make fun of him for how he delivers those really emotional beats, even though his heart is definitely in it. When he does these, he is right on the money every time. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'll sure I'll be proven wrong to some degree as we get into the, the big trilogy at the end of the season. But like, I feel like his dramatic stuff is much better with this 
mm-hmm. you know, the, this last lap here, I feel like he's improved a lot since the Mark's dad stuff. The Mark's yeah, dad I want- stuff, I feel like, was not, you know, we talked a lot about that at the time, and I just feel like he has found his niche and found his rhythm much better yeah. with this storyline than that one. And again, those aren't terrible, but I just, they never quite pull me in the same way but this when we're nitpicking and stuff me. like the, yeah. like we do on this show it makes like every little gl- error is just more glaring than the yeah. last or or um i can't even think of the word but the other thing i want to note is because i'm a five-year-old when i think gamma knife i don't think like the big helmet that he has on later on i'm picturing like a little radioactive scalpel <laughs> that's Crafted like what my, Banner. yeah that's what my brain hears when i hear it and i'm like isn't that still fucking surgery? And then I saw it and I was like, no, it's not. No. I'm just there a, dumb. There's such a good opportunity for a Hulk joke in here, but. Only no. you, Lizzie. Only you. I know. All right. That's 10 minutes on the first minute of the episode. Uh, we are in Yeesh. with Twinkles, which I was <laughs> totally like, okay. inappropriate Twinkles. Like, I mean, I guess it wouldn't make sense to go into the bum bum from that, but still. Uh, but then we go to Mark is back home. He's laying in bed. Uh, Rachel asks if he has work today and offers to make him breakfast. She's clearly trying to make up and be more responsible after everything that happened. Already made him coffee. And she says Lizzie called while he was in the shower. And he's like, oh, did she leave a number? Huh, okay. And then she goes on to say that Lizzie wants him to bring some of Ella's things to work so she can get them. And, huh, okay. And Rachel offers to pack it all up for him so he can get ready for work. So she's clearly trying to make up. But, huh, what's up with Lizzie? Where's Lizzie? We'll find out. Then we see Carter catching Chen up on current patients because his shift is done. He's not going to be here for most of the episode. And we learn Susan worked a double, so she has crashed in curtain three. Don't fucking wake her up. Um, And Jerry says someone called again for Chen. Randall and Frank offers to call and yell at the guy. So this is my favorite fucking through line of this whole episode is Jerry and Frank. This is, this is our first real Jerry and Frank yes. episode. Yes. 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 And it's so good. Um it just reminded me of I believe it was I believe it was Troy that was talking to us about how much the two of them would absolutely just fucking distract each other all day on shoots just to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I was just thinking of that with this was just like when them doing the fight scene later, I was like, yeah, I can picture it. But um, then Teresa Matthews, who has been comatose over a year after a motor vehicle accident, mom called because she thought Teresa was uncomfortable. I believe Chen says, how would she know? This doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, so this is also a, a weird one, too. And I, I just scrolled back through the notes because I... I uh you know, let's time date this episode. I've, I've been on vacation for the last week. So like I watched this episode about a week ago. And so I had to go back and like look through the notes again to make sure that I didn't just like zone out for a bit and miss the follow up to this. This storyline is mentioned in the synopsis for this episode. Like if you look on if you look on IMDb, the synopsis for this episode includes something about Chen dealing with a comatose patient who's going to give birth and. There is zero mention of this other than this initial scene where she's brought in by the paramedics. So I have to assume that there's some deleted scenes or something that addresses this. And like there was just a whole plot line that was cut from this episode wholesale because like Lauren said, there is no follow up to this whatsoever. They mention it 
here when they bring her in and i think you maybe get one or two little token mentions of chen the rest of the episode but really the only thing we deal with with chen this episode is the the secret admirer thing and it's all a, a setup for a you know off-color joke but like that's <laughs> so like it's just very odd that that made it into the synopsis for the episode and it's not actually a part of the finished product so very one of definitely one of the weirder uh things i've seen uh jerry and frank are bickering about how to give message details because of course they are uh, abby gives lucas some films as he pulls up to the ambulance bay in a very very fancy car did we get a make and model on this probably not but no fancy just car. fancy sports car yeah uh, he was pretending to have an emergency so the cop so the cop following him wouldn't give him a ticket. Uh, I need to know. About 20 listeners probably just screamed at us that we don't know what that car is, and we're going to get maybe one message telling us. So <laughs> in four weeks, you'll probably hear what kind of car that was, guys. Look, none of us are car people. Far from it. Lauren and I don't even own one. It's, I don't even fucking drive. It's, yeah. a, it's a fancy car TM. Like, it's a yeah. black sports car. And, like, it's definitely, like, it, it's the most, like, uh, it's the most Duggish I feel like we've seen mm-hmm. Luca be in a while. Oh, yes, like, absolutely. Very, like, coy and, like, uh, you know, a cool, suave guy. Like, so it's, it's Croatian Clooney, like, at his best. I immediately thought of uh, Clooney and Genie. Yes. Yes. In that accident. Yeah. Um, Abby is working odd shifts, so she's never home when her neighbor is because her neighbor is out on bail. Yikes. Uh, and Carter offers to take her out for coffee if she needs to talk. And this I thought that he was starting to sense that this was like a prime chance for her to relapse. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there was a part of him that's like, hey, are you okay? Are you sleeping? Are you all right? Like, I could see that. I just, I think this is really him trying to do her a solid the way she did for him when he was going through the worst of his stuff. Yeah. And it's also, I think some of them uh, reestablishing a little bit of what was happening with them before Carter's mom came around. Like Carter's mom sort of took Carter out of commission for the last few episodes. And so like, they kind of have to remind everybody like, Oh yeah, these two kind of have like a thing, mutual shared trauma sort of, you know, thing going on and it's them kind of reminding us of it um before we get into next episode which is just all exposition all the time like i just <laughs> can't wait that's gonna be a we watch it twice episode i am yes. I, I cannot wait it's definitely my one of my like top 10 episodes of the entire series i love the next episode um but yeah so in any event we go from there susan is uh yelling at mark at the roach coach uh, and he drops the bomb on her that his uh tumor is back uh, and she's like, well, why are you working today if you're going, you know, he tells her about the gamma knife treatment and she's like, well, why are you working at all, you know, today and asks him if he's talked to Elizabeth, uh, how, sh- how did she react? And then he's like, well, I haven't told her yet. And it's just a lot of, you know, her kind of <laughs> yelling at him for not doing what he needs to do as far as, you know, asking for help and the- opening up. This whole episode makes me so happy that they're back to besties TM. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was sort of uh, a little surprised that there wasn't more of it. Like, I, I sort of remember, and I maybe that, you know, we'll get into that more, uh, not next episode, but the one after. Because um, I felt like I remembered there being more of that type of interaction. Like, we got to see more of them as, as just really good friends. Um, and this being kind of the, the resolution of all that before, he, before things get really bad. Um, but yeah, so... 
more to come on that. Uh, we see Gallant telling Mark that Carrie needs his help with some traumas. And Frank, as, as Mark walks into the uh, desk, Frank says that he's going to fire, quote, the new guy, meaning Jerry. And Mark is like, Jerry was here before you. Uh, and also, you have no power to fire anyone. So, so good. So good. Uh, we get one of our first big traumas of the episode, Mr. Nevinger, suffering from severe burns. Uh, uh, excuse me, you use his Christian name. President Nevinger, according to the captions. That's uh, right. Not sure. At least on Hulu. Yeah, not sure what that's all about. Uh, Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, and then we see Mark is running this trauma with Halle. More on this uh, throughout the episode. And now we go to the lounge, Abby's apartment hunting with Malik and Shuni, and Luca offers up his place as a place to stay until she can find a new one, just so she can be away from the neighbor. Uh, she doesn't think she wants to stay at her place after all of this, just because of, I mean, I wouldn't, traumatic memories and all of that. No. Uh, Luca said, Luca said, says dragging because, uh, oh, I was up late. Oh, really? What's her name? Abby responds. Ha ha. Ha ha. Did you, are you aware that he's Croatian Clooney? Have they driven that home enough this episode? Okay, but this next line is really fucking good and I don't even care. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, they're, so they're being very, like, playful at this point, playful banter, not, like, taking stabs at each other. And Luca says, you can stay however long you like and you only have to sleep with me on the weekends. He delivers with a big smile it, on his face. Delivers it so smooth, doesn't even bat an eye. Like, the delivery is just perfect. Yeah. This this really feels like one of those, like, I'm going to say season two, maybe early part of season three, Doug and Carol type of scenes. Like, this is a major, major hearkening back to that sort of vibe where it's like they've, they've kind of, like, Doug's stopped being complete trash and, like, they're, they're kind of, like, you know, they've, they've reached a, a, a truce and like, you can just kind of have some fun banter between the two of them. And I had forgotten all about it. So it was a, a yep. breath of fresh air when I watched this episode. Yep. Uh, then we go over to Abby tells Lizzie about Mr. Nevinger. Lizzie pauses when she hears that Mark is the doctor working on the trauma and she, she heads in Mr. Nevinger's wife is here and that's why Mark had waited to intubate. Uh, we learn the wife is a nurse at Mercy, and he has surface area burns over 50%. Oof. Which, on any medical show, we've learned this is never fucking good. The prognosis for this is always not Real great. Um, and he was painting furniture in the garage when the fire started. We will learn more about that later. Mark then asks Lizzie on his status and tells her that he has Ella's things, he tries to reconcile with her and she's like, I don't know. Like, I, okay, great. I'm not, it's not you. I'm not punishing you. And he's like, well, then when are you coming home? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Elevator doors close. Like just, Elizabeth's clearly processing some things. Mm. We go over to another trauma. Carrie and Mark are working with Aaron, a little kid. He was being dragged by, a, he was being dragged on a sled, not, <laughs> He was being dragged on a sled by a snowmobile. Uh, he has a potential spinal fracture. He can't feel his arms or really anything. Random side note. Like, the the thing seemed crooked on him. Mm. The sea collar? Could have been. I don't know. 
It just looked like it was like really loose. I could like I could definitely something. see there being a thing of like the kid not being able to emote properly with the collar on normally, and so they probably loosening it a little bit to give him a little extra wiggle room with his jaw because those things yeah. do restrict your jaw movement a lot. So I could see them maybe trying to to fake their way through it and be like, well, we'll just leave it like a little bit looser so that he can talk. Yeah, Mark. Uh, the cops think the dad was drunk, and Mark tells the dad what's what. Aaron's status is on um, son's friend's dad who son's friend who has a broken arm dad comes to yell at the at Aaron's dad there's a whole lot of dads going on here <laughs> uh, we learn that Aaron's dad had a head injury a few years ago and his brain he has suffered a traumatic brain injury yep so some does, some cognitive impairment yeah definitely changed him for the worse um and Aaron doesn't really live with him anymore. Oh boy, yeah. And uh, so we got three. Oh, hey, it's that people here. Aaron, first off, the kid. He is played by actor Riley McClendon, who appeared in stuff like Pearl Harbor, uh, Time Trap, and Disney's The Kid. And uh, the cop who was in the trauma apparently. Uh, this is less of an oh, hey, it's that guy. And more somebody who apparently has been with us for a while and we just uh, hadn't mentioned. Uh, he is uh, The character's name is Officer Dursey, and it's apparently the same cop from All in the Family and Rampage, uh, and this is his last appearance. Uh, we'll have another officer later in the episode also making his last appearance after a, a, a really long time. So lots of uh, minor goodbyes in this episode. Uh, and then finally, the dad, Mr. James, he is probably the most recognizable person in this episode. He is played by actor Mike Haggerty, who had appearances in stuff like Friends, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, among many, many others. He had 115 credits to his name uh, and unfortunately did pass away just last year, uh, 2022. Hmm. Yeah. So, and he was one of those people, like, he was a true, oh, hey, it's that guy in, like, in the sense of, like, there were a lot of, like, tributes uh, from bit actors character actors and things that i saw coming coming out around the time that he passed away um so he seems like somebody who was very well liked uh but we then go back to the desk we see frank telling abby that her subpoena has been revoked because brian's trial was canceled basically they they made it they cut a deal so this is all gonna go away and abby is understandably upset by this news uh we will circle back to that in a little bit uh, Mark. We then see Mark telling Ian, uh, Mr. Nevinger, uh, that his wife and son are here. Uh, we also learn that his talk screen has come back positive for amphetamines and that he uh, says that he's been working two jobs and was using them to help uh, keep him up, keep him energized. And uh, he was smoking them in the garage around all the paint fumes, and that's what sparked the fire. Not great, Bob. Not at all. Uh, and then we go up to the OR hallway where we see Romano yelling after Lizzie, who's kind of in a daze a little bit, uh, makes a real hard R word drop uh, in mm. there that was very, very 2002. Would not basically the reason I didn't get this one, this yep. audio clip. Yeah, yep, yep. would would not have passed the 2023 smell test. That's for sure. Uh, we then hear him complaining about Benton's delayed operative reports, so Lizzie needs to complete them. And oh boy, is that a little bit of ham-fisted exposition if I've ever heard it. A little bit of ham-fisted, uh, we figured out that we can't write Lizzie having a meaningful conversation with anybody she hasn't slept with, so uh, we have to yank Benton back out of the Shadow Realm at the end of this episode, put him in front of a really bad green screen. 
uh, to give meaningless expositional dialogue. This can you tell this upsets me a little bit? I don't like this because he, Benton had a perfect goodbye. Yeah. Uh, at the end of I'll Be Home for Christmas, like that was a perfect send off for that character. We didn't need to see him maybe ever again but if if you did it sh- it should have been where it was which was like season 15 during the the greatest hits tour you certainly didn't need to bring him back 5 episodes later to give very very low level expositional dialogue to help kick Lizzie's can down the road a little bit further it's just mm. and then you have this scene in here that's like oh by the way don't forget we got a cameo up here which i forgot to mention at the top uh the punch is back in the intro for this episode um, mm. they, they stick that back in there, even though he's credited as a guest star, not as a cast member. Um, it should have been Shirley. Yeah. Like that's the, th- and, and, and you know, we, we've been talking about that since Elizabeth first showed up on the show is that especially going into the era we're about to start very, very soon. Once Mark is gone, they really lose the thread on how to write Lizzie. Like they have no clue how to write Lizzie without Mark. And, it's going to be that much harder to do now that Benton's off the show too, because Benton was the only person she really had a meaningful relationship with other than Mark. So the fact that both of them are going to be gone in very short order is going to leave her kind of, you know, man without a country here. All she's got left is this kind of uh, comedic back and forth with Romano over the years. So yeah. And even he is going to be removed from the surgical. Yeah. So like there there needed, there needed to be somebody else built up, as a friend to Elizabeth. And maybe that could have been a Shirley or it could have been, you know, literally any other person. It's just one of the nurses kit. Yeah. Just, it, you know, it makes me so mad that we're going to get to season 10 or whatever it is, 10 or 11, when Elizabeth finally does leave and her goodbye is going to have to come with Carter because shrug, like it's going to be just this, like, I guess it'll be Carter. Cause there's not like, there's there's nobody left at that point in the timeline that has any sort of significance to her and it just sucks that you can already start to see the the breadcrumbs of that being laid out of just like oh no we're we're about to watch this character not not literally but we're about to watch this character die over the next season and a half where they are going to completely lose the thread on how to write her after her romantic partner is gone and that sucks all right, well, let's uh, shift gears entirely and go to a, our next audio clip here. Chum got some flowers, and Jerry uh, Jerry has some light teasing to do about it. Someone is very popular today. Oh, Jerry, give me a break. You know, I could have one of my old buddies on the force do a background check on this Randall character. Isn't that nice to know? Now, what's that supposed to mean? It means that the continuing invasion of personal privacy by law enforcement is appalling, not to mention immoral. Well, you have nothing to worry about if you don't have anything to hide, malcontent. Psycho-fascist. Now, that's it. Hey, settle down, you two. No, no, do you want to start something, tough guy? Bring it on, Gramps. Gramps? Get you out. Out. You did it. Will you both shut up? You okay? Can I get a doctor here? Poor Chad. <sighs> J- Jerry says a cab. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we stand a king. Yeah. Love. We, just, we we love both we love both of them so much, even though they accidentally hurt Chen. Mm. God, it's just like knowing that we're at the beginning of this period. Like, we're just like we're gonna get to sip from this reservoir for like 
a couple seasons at least. Like we're gonna get and, so and much we, with them, and that we get some really good emotional beats with them too. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. They, these two form an incredible team, and it it just it saddens me that it takes all the way until the midway point of season eight before you get it. Like the show is we're past the halfway point. The show's more than halfway over before they find the, like the perfect comedic foils for one another behind that desk. Like imagine if we'd have had Frank and Jerry from day one and how much good stuff there could have been there. Then we go over to Dennis Cooper, 32 years old, multiple gunshot wounds to the chest. He's brought in with his eight year old daughter, uh, Lizzie Chen and Carrie all go to work on him. Carrie goes to talk to the daughter um, with Gallant. The daughter's name is Brienne. She likely saw everything, including who shot her dad. Uh, so the cops are trying to get like, hey, did you see? What do they look like? Who did it? Oh, my God. Let me like. And uh, again, we get to see Carrie be amazing with kids. She tells the cop to back the fuck off until they get Brienne taken care of. And he needs to wait until the peds psychiatrist is done with Brienne. And who plays our detective? Yeah, our detective here, who I don't know if I've ever mentioned before. I certainly didn't remember him being a recurring character. I thought he was just unique to this episode. Um, but uh, he apparently is a recurring character. And it was like, again, it's a little bit of that, like, why did they bother department? And it also is a little bit of, like, excellent minor continuity in there as well. Because uh, so that the actor is a guy named Mirror E. Willis. And he appeared in stuff like Independence Day, Universal Soldier, and Star Trek uh, The Next Generation. And this is his last of four appearances. Um, and he's apparently been with us since season two. So he has been a somewhat recurring character over the last six years. Uh, but what was really interesting was that in his first two appearances, he is... And I forgot to write down the name of the actual, like, the the character's last name. But let's just say for the sake of argument that it's Detective Willis. Um, his mm-hmm. first two appearances, he's credited as Officer Willis, but his mm. last two appearances, he's credited as Detective Willis. So at some point in there, right? At some point in there, my man got a promotion, and so it's just cool to see that, like, not only did they use the same actor, but that they they gave this little like this little unspoken backstory to this very tertiary character who's never you couldn't even call him tertiary. He's just like a guy in the background. Um, they just gave this little little sprinkling of a backstory in there, so I thought that was cool. But this is it, this is his last appearance, though, so we will not be seeing him anymore after this. I love when they do weird shit like that that we would never know unless we looked it up. Yeah. But yeah, we find out that the dad, um, Dennis, is a well-known drug dealer, and, and he's also dead. The bullet went right through the aorta, and there was no saving him. Oof. Now we go up to a short but absolutely horrifying for me as someone who's somewhat claustrophobic. Yep. Just uh, Marcus upstairs for his gamma knife procedure, and just this giant helmet. And they have said, they said, "Oh yeah, you won't be able to move your face after we lock it in." Nope, nope. You're sedating me for that. You are pumping me full of fentanyl and Versed, and you are make me no. make me take an hour long nap. No. no, no. I'm doing the Bernie Sanders <laughs> <laughs> waving your finger. No, uh, yeah. But yeah, so Mark is becoming the Hulk. It's fine. Yeah, guys, there are no radioactive scalpels in this room. I was wrong. <laughs> and it does kind of look like uh, one of the helmets from like Spaceballs. Like it kind of just looks like yes. the big thing that Rick Moranis wears in that movie. <laughs> I thought of uh, Back to the Future. Oh yeah, I, yep. could, I could see that too. The giant thing that's trying to read memories and 
when he meets Doc in 1955. Here, here's a weird one. Uh, Juggernaut's helmet from the 92 X-Men show. Just for me. It's fine. It's the Juggernaut, bitch. Nope, not that Juggernaut. Don't you dare. <laughs> 92 X-Men, get out. Anyway, uh, we then go down back down to admit. Lizzie is asking if anyone has seen Mark, and Jerry tells her that Mark left. And Lizzie seems a little miffed at this, uh, because apparently they have an appointment for Ella, and Jerry offers to page him. And so, not great. Uh, we then go back up and see Mark exiting said appointment. Uh, nurse tells Mark to take it easy for the rest of the day. He asks about, uh, you know, post-operative risk of seizures, and she goes over all that. She she does advise him that somebody should be there to stay with him tonight, uh, and he kind of brushes it off and is like, oh, I took the L in, so I don't need anybody to drive me home, and my daughter will be there tonight, which both of which are not really true she's a teenager she's responsible enough after she almost <laughs> right. killed yeah, my other child she also mentions at the beginning of the episode when they have their little talk that she's going to be um staying over at a friend's house tonight so like she he's just straight up lying that there's going to be anybody there to help him uh so yeah we and then we then see him rush off to peds to try to make his appointment with ella and lizzie and he just misses them all right, and we all learned that Abby has learned that the DA cut a deal with Brian for one year probation and community and 40 hours of community service with mandated therapy. Bullshit. Told, because he has no priors. Yeah. Despite Abby having to call the police, which she could have talked about had she testified in trial. Though... Uh, there was something that kind of got this case brought down and thrown out a little bit, which the guy oh, mentions. Yeah. Well, the attorney does mention that someone beat the shit out of Ryan a few hours after she was attacked, but she doesn't know anything about that, right? Right? <laughs> and she's like, actually, I don't. Like, like her, the look on her yeah, face is like... I actually don't. <laughs> uh, and the weird arousal the continues. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. Uh, but then Mark goes to check on Aaron, and he can barely wiggle his toes and fingers. They think it's just like a, a swelling in the spinal cord from the injury, and that it'll get better as time goes on. Shout out Downton Abbey, where they use the same type of thing. Uh, Mark asks Aaron what happened, and he's like, there's no way that was your dad's idea. Like, my dude, come on. What's up? Um, and as he's having this conversation, Lizzie looks in through the window and Mark goes out to talk to her and she asks where he had been. We don't see him tell her. He was like, I was right behind you guys. I showed up. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, but then Ian Nevinger's stats have dropped. So Mark's getting pulled back that way. Carrie goes to talk to Brienne again, tells her very gently that her dad died. Here we go. Um, says she needs to talk to the police to say who shot her dad because it's very important. Uh, Brienne says she can't say who shot him. I put here in all caps. I bet it was her. <laughs> I called it. She shot her dad. Um, and she says he fell asleep on the couch and left his gun out on the coffee table. And Carrie's like, so you shot him? She doesn't say it like that, but she's like, oh, like put the pieces here together for me. And this girl says he wouldn't let me watch TV. And at first I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But then she goes on to say, he said, if I turned on the TV while he was asleep, he'd shoot me. So I shot him first. And then I was like, okay, turnabout's fair play. Uh, <laughs> Girl wants to watch that. your cartoons, whatever. That is an abused what, shot. What an yeah, whatever. No, coaster. it's fine. Asshole probably deserved it. 
How many? How many? Really times, creepy kid, though. How many times in the course of that whole exchange there did the child make it onto and then be taken off of the shitty kid list? How? Oh, 100%. Like, we, I feel like. I think yeah. at least. I think at least three. I feel like this poor child got Aaron on the shitty. We have Aaron on the shitty kids list, though. Yes. I remember to put it on Lauren. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Mark tells Miss Miss Nevinger that they can't wait much longer to intubate Mr. Nevinger. Uh, Mr. Nevinger doesn't want the kids to see him like like he is. Uh, Mark says, "If the kids stay, the can the uh, no." Mark says, "You know, if the kids stay by the door, the wife can come in and just again a plus work from the prosthetics department, the makeup, whoever would handle burns." Yeah. Like this, I, on the- I, I think that's the thing that they most consistently get uh, like a hundred percent right on this show. Like they, oh yeah, that's the that's the the injury that they almost always fucking nail perfectly mm-hmm. is burns, and it's horrifying. I think because that's the one that like as they're doing stuff, that's what we're gonna see the most, especially if it's like facial burns. Like they can't hide that with a quick shot, so right. they have to get that done right. Also, I don't know why I capitalized prosthetics as if it was Protestants. <laughs> I think my fingers just got halfway through the word and was like that's not where we're going but um yeah i my guess has to be just because like the that's so center frame for Mm -hmm. like majority of storylines when they do these that they have to right yeah but the wife helps suction him while they work on him and she sees his labs sees the positive for amphetamines and confronts him because she told him not to do it she told him to stop, and he promised he would. And then, can he? Yeah, he. She yells at him a lot, and then runs out of the room. Ish, 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 ish. Oh boy! And then, uh, in more pleasant uh, news, that sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm. <laughs> uh, Abby, uh, we see Abby headed home and she sees Brian headed up to the front door uh, from a distance and waits for him to go in and then turns around and walks away, uh, thinks better of it. Uh, and that's the last appearance of him. So that's uh, that's that storyline done and dusted. Like that whole thing okay. just kind of, much like the court case, just kind of goes away. Uh, that'll be the last time we... Uh, address that at least in any kind of physical sense I'm sure it could be referred to again but this will be the last time we see Abby dealing with it you know up close and personal so uh, we then go back we see DCFS trying to decide what to do with Aaron Uh, Aaron says that maybe getting arrested will smarten his dad up uh, because he's embarrassed by his dad Uh, and boy boy howdy does this kid if there was ever like this kid might be king of the shitty kids list like um he's embarrassed by his dad he doesn't you know like that his dad has you know mental issues stemming from his uh, tbi and like it's just embarrassing for him and it's just mark rightfully so calls him out on his bullshit right away i will say a lot of the patients in this episode both dealing with mark and lizzie are uh, a little on the nose like they're Mm -hmm. a little just a touch on the Mm -hmm. nose uh with a lot of these patients um but it's the like they're metaphors for, its, for their lives. Yeah. Yeah. The show's not known for its subtlety. Daniel. Sometimes it is, though. And that's what's frustrating is that sometimes they can do subtlety well. And then other times they feel the need to, like, club the audience over the head yeah. with the exposition. Do you hammer. see? Do you, do you see? <laughs> it's a metaphor. Do you see? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Mark rightfully calling him out on his bullshit. And uh, Aaron asks if he can talk to the cops again. Yeah. And uh, after that, Mark gets 
woozy and has to sit down on a gurney and heads out to the ambulance bay to take some some of his medication. And Susan pops out and has some words for him. So let's listen in. Why are you still here? Well, until late. You shouldn't be on at all. Do you have a headache? Just, uh, just a little stress. Yeah, that and several hundred beams of radiation sapped into your brain this afternoon. You need to go home. It's just a half an hour left. Did you tell her? Who? Mark. You said you were going to talk to her. Does Rachel know? Mark, they're going to figure it out. Let them figure it out. So you're going to keep this a secret, act like nothing's wrong until you pass out in public? The moment you tell them, they start treating you differently. They start giving you that look. What look? The look that looked like you're half there, like you're already gone. Believe me, I've seen it before. Yeah, well, you're still here. Good night. Oh. What is it? Nothing. Mark! I'm just a little nauseous. You know what, that's it. I'm taking you home. Oh, I am not going home. You know what, you have two choices. I'm taking you home right now, or I'm riding you out to Weaver. What's it gonna be? You better not bomb in my car. <laughs> They're so good. Susan is absolutely having the mom friend override right now. Where oh, she's absolutely. like, she's like, no, you fucking idiot. We're going home. Get in my car. You're stupid. You better not puke in my car. Let me make you loser. some We're go- fucking soup. Hop in, loser. We're going to take care of you. It's so good. We've had moments like that where Lizzie's like, no, you're staying home. Like, <laughs> asshole, you're some- staying home. Sometimes, Don't go to work. Sometimes you need to hear it from a, a yep. unbiased third party. Well, a little biased, but still, yes. I, I just, I love the two of them in this episode. Like, this is this is OG Susan peeking through here, mm-hmm. and I'm so here for it. Yeah, I will say that, yeah. From a tone standpoint, like, you know, this this felt much more like the first run of Susan. And I mm-hmm. there's those little flashes sometimes of that old character that are still in there. And it was really nice to see that. And I think they've mostly unfucked her hair at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the, the stupid haircut really only lasts for, like, one or two episodes, maybe. And then it, they let it grow a little bit, and they kind of, mm-hmm. you know, go from there. And, and I think by next season, it's more or less normal. Um, yep. So, yeah. It's, they, they do our girl. It sucks that all the publicity photos from season eight are all of her haircut from when she first comes back, because that they, they did our girl dirty. Mm-hmm. Say, look, I don't control. I just search season blank cast photo, and usually something comes up from Getty Images, and you're good. I can't uh, control what they what they photograph. Uh, but then Halle tells Lizzie the burn unit is ready for Mister Nevinger. Lizzie gets stuck with him because Mark has left, and she's the other uh, doctor on the chart, and they need to intubate him for transfer up to the burn unit, and. Uh, he tells she Lizzie tells him that he just needs to give his wife more time. It's like, does this asshole have more time? I don't think <laughs> right? so, because he's he's like, where's my wife? I you know like I want her before I am intubated. Uh, we well, see. I, I don't know the specifics, but they do say it's only fifty percent. That's areas. not only Lizzie. Yeah, but like compared to like some of the people that they say are gonna like die immediately. Oh sure, no, it's yeah. like 
eighty percent. I would 90%. say yeah, no, the, the prognosis for over fifty in this in like these shows is still really shitty. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying he's definitely gonna live. I'm just saying like compared to some other folks, there might be like a twinkle of hope versus where it's just, no, you're gonna die within yeah. a week. Still not great. Lauren's looking up to yep. make me feel sad about I, myself. I just have to be right about everything. Of course you do. Oh god, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of fucking, yeah. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't search burn. No, 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 not pictures. I mean, it's all like health journals and stuff. I'm not about to waste twenty not waste, but I'm not about to spend twenty minutes reading through that while we're doing this. Uh, either way, um, Lizzie sees the wife is on the phone. Uh, she has had the kids picked up and like they're they have a babysitter now, and he's she's let Ian's mom know where he is, Mister Nevinger, and Lizzie tells her that. Ian needs her right now. And I love that the wife says, well, what about what I need right now? Like he went back on his word and like, just one of those things where I'm all for partners sticking up for themselves, where sometimes media just wants them to, you know, be the supportive person. Yeah. And it's like, no boundaries. <laughs> um, but Lizzie tries really hard to get her to support him because she's like, you don't know how much longer you'll have with him and you should really reconcile and try and work this out and really projecting her yeah. own this, fucking shit this, this onto is where his that, patient. that exposition hammer is like beating you over yep. the head. Hundo percent. Uh, but then Carrie tells Jerry, that's really fun to say. <laughs> Carrie tells Jerry and Frank that they're suspended until Monday and they're like, what? Why? And she's like, because you guys were reported fighting. And they're like, this guy? Me? No, we're great. And they're like arms around each other, like elbow in the ribs, whatever. And Carrie's like, but Chen got hurt. Like, Chen, didn't you say that they pushed you? And Chen goes, no, I tripped over a phone cord. Like, clumsy me. It was all my fault. And, and then the minute Carrie rolls her eyes and walks away, Jerry and Frank, like, shove each other away and just a little bit. And Chen just goes, stop it, you two. <laughs> yeah. And I looked it up, Lauren. Okay. And okay. I, it's under 10% of people with 50% or more uh, third degree burn surface area survive. Well, never mind. I'm not flipping you off now because that's that <laughs> so. agreed with my thesis. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I am a highest percentage. The highest percentage most people can survive is a 70 per, 70% second degree burn. Yeah. Over most of their which is obviously still awful, awful, awful. Don't do yeah. don't do meth in the garage, kids. That's the lesson of this episode. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to do it, don't paint while you're doing it. Right. Certainly don't but here the real lesson here is uh not don't Don't paint your furniture. It's not don't do meth. It's don't pick up furniture restoration as a side hobby. That's the real evil. If you do meth. If you, if you if no, you because you're math, still you're, you're still annoying to all your friends, and like you're you're participating in white lady culture on Instagram, and like look, you just want to they just want people just want to be like Ron Swanson. Is that so okay. hard? Actually, no, guys. That's the so real the real lesson here is never do anything nice for your kid's birthday. Yes, because they won't remember. They won't go. remember, and they hate you. Yep. There you go. Anyway, moving on. On that happy note, uh, Chen starts to give patients a Carter when he shows up, and. Randall shows up to see Chen, the guy who's been calling and sending flowers, and she's like, <laughs> "Sorry." T- uh, she uh, tell he tell he tries she tries to let him down gently. It's like, "No, you're nice and all, but I don't think this is gonna work out. Please don't call me." Like, is very polite. Yeah, is very civil. Yeah, about it isn't like isn't being like, "Bitch, get the fuck out of my face and get the fuck out of the, here." And 
arguably the best line <laughs> in the series. Which, if you want to hear it being del- del- delivered perfectly, Chef's Kiss by Chen later. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. Yep. Uh, put it at. We put what, it after yeah. the theme today. Yeah. Which can I at least say the line? Yes. Oh, please. Yeah. Oh, you give a guy a hand release during Harry Potter, and suddenly he wants to marry you. Which is a uh... risky joke to make, both because it is a like, uh, you know, a blatant hand job joke on on network television even if it is after 10 p.m but also because like at this point i don't know that it was like set in stone a hundred percent guaranteed that the harry potter movies were gonna like age particularly so like that reference you know may not have always been as evergreen as it is now uh so it's like but it's come full circle now and it's great because of how <laughs> shitty jk right Rowling like it, it kind of it, it almost works better because of where we're at with the harry potter discourse in 2023 so like it just works and i want to i, I want to know just because i'm awful i want to know how many versions of this joke they went through before the, they finally got a thumbs up from the network also, the terminology hand release right. just that, kills me. That's, it's, it's so proper, Chen. It's this, that has to be what, what, why, the censors. Why, how they got through the censors. Right. That yeah. has to be the version of the joke that got through standards and practices. I feel like there's another version of this joke that was like you give a guy a hand job or you give a guy. There were, there were like five different versions of this, I'm sure, that, that immediately NBC came back and was like, absolutely not. Like, you are not doing that. And then so they just kept like tweaking it until eventually they got one that got through. Uh, you guys know I'm definitely looking up a hand job, not hand job. Um, <laughs> okay. Risky, yeah. risky Googles with Lauren. No, hand, <laughs> hand job. Third degree isms. burns and hand jobs uh, is yes. Anyway, in uh, while while Lauren uh, finds something that awakens something in her soul, nope. uh, Carter has the best reaction. To this, he just snorts, and that has to be just a genuine reaction from Carter, from Noah Wiley. That just there's, it's too good not to. Ugh. He's like, Ex- excuse me, <laughs> like what? She says it so matter of factly too. Like she's just right. Like, she doesn't hesitate. She's practiced at all. that line. Oh, absolutely. She has practiced that line to say it with a straight face. Oh my god. And who plays our uh, would-be suitor? Yes, our would-be suitor, uh, Randall, is played by actor Mark Lutz, who appeared in stuff like Angel, uh, Victor, and Friends. Uh, And I would like to point out that on his IMDb page, uh, his role as Randall is included in his is-known-for section. Uh, So he (laughs) is known as the guy who got a handjob during Harry Potter. Good for him. Good for him. Nice to be known for something. Uh, We then... (laughs) We then go from there. Uh, we see Abby showing up to Luca's door. Uh, she knocks, but hears some loud rock music going on. Clearly, he's got something going on in there. And so she goes to get back in the elevator when a woman comes to the door. Ooh. Uh, Luca shows up from behind and tells her to come on in, that he just has some friends over. And he's, quote, getting his ass kicked at Pictionary. So he needs her help. Uh, so she comes inside and presumably they live happily ever after i don't know we'll talk about it next episode it, it it's a wild ride anyway so let's go to our <sighs> final me- meaningful appearance of benton until season 15 uh and just honestly it, the con the fact that he's here doesn't piss me off so much is the fucking awful yeah, green, the screen. green screen they need 
This I hope this better end soon. I didn't I even know notice. Do 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 do. It's particularly bad with Benton. Like I, I think with Lizzie, it was maybe a little bit. It, it didn't look as bad to me, but like Benton practically has a halo around him. Yeah, it's like he said it's so zoomed in and blurry. There was like no. There was a point when just... I was watching this scene where I was like, I don't know that these two are there at the same time. Like there was a point yeah, there right? because they do so many tight shots on their faces. There's one or two moments where you see both of them in frame at the same time, but it's very brief. And like to the point where I I started to question, I was like, did they record these separately and then just mishmash them together in post? Because if so, goddamn, this is awful. Either way. Uh, let's listen to their conversation. Three lap coles, two inguinal hernias, Lafort three reduction, vagotomy, and a pancreatic duodenectomy. I only assisted on Lafort. Daniels was the primary. Yes, well, Daniels has moved to Las Vegas, growing demand for breast implants, apparently. Yeah, well, I guess I should have moved further away myself. This doesn't have to be so clandestine, Peter. You won't burst into flames if you actually step inside the hospital. I know, I just, I just wanted to make a clean break. Yeah, we'll finish those and you'll be free of us. Oh, and you owe me $27 for Xerox. How's the baby? Normal background rhythms, low amp activity. Make sure you get SSEPs. You seem to be holding up okay. Yeah. What? What? I think I may have left my husband. You think? I moved out. I'm living in a hotel. What happened? I've never made demands on him. Not real ones, anyway. The only time I ask him to put his family first, he can't do it. Oh, well, well, back up. Um, you lost me. He won't send Rachel away. It's like he has to prove he loves her. And you want him to prove he loves you? Yes. No. I don't know. I don't know if I'm protecting my daughter or if I'm just angry. Elizabeth, I'd be angry too. At Mark. You see, I, th- I think I do blame him for what happened. And I think I found a way to avoid being with him because I blame him. He's different. It's like he's... It's like he's disconnected from us somehow. Or, or maybe it's me, you know? I just don't have the energy to figure it out. What happens if you sent Rachel home tomorrow? I adore how Benton's like, so you want him to prove he loves you? Yes. No. (laughs) Wait a minute. You made me admit my own feelings. How dare you? Yeah, this, I don't know. Like, I feel like I would have, I would have liked this scene better if it were... You know, of course not done in front of the green screen, but also just like, why can't this be her dad or her mom? Yes. Like, why couldn't this have been, why couldn't this yeah. have been one of her parents? Like, I, it, this, you didn't need like, Benton. Oh, my dad's in town for a conference. Right. You, or have him, you know, have her call him on the phone and, and like have like a split screen thing of just like, cause like you don't need Benton for this. So like this, this shits on Benton's goodbye. And also too, like, I'm just going to say it. Eric LaSalle is given big. I'm just here so I don't get fined energy. Like, dude is dude is clearly just fulfilling some kind yeah. of contractual obligation to be there. He is not his heart is not in it 
with this scene. Like this is this is this is a man who was called into work on his day off. That's the kind of energy he's giving right here, where he is just like, oh, you want him to say that? Like for a character who that's kind of his whole vibe is just kind of a little bit of emotionally detached. It's on eleven in this scene where my my dude could not care less about being here. So it's just like it doesn't do anybody any favors, I don't think. And so I think you could have done this scene better in a different way or just found some other way to express the fact that she's conflicted without like digging Benton up from the shadow realm. I just feel like it was not helpful to his character. It wasn't helpful to her character. And it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth because like I said, this is the last meaningful appearance of Benton until season 15. Yes. He's going to show up for a, you know, you'll see him in the crowd in on the beach, but like, we're not going to hear Benton's voice again until season 15 when he comes back at the very end of the series. So it's just, eh, eh. I, w- I wish they didn't. I'm, I'm ambivalent. It served the purpose it needed to. And like we said, they fucked her over on getting her to know any other characters. So how else were they going to do this? Yeah. And I do like it from that perspective of, I, I, I like, <laughs> I like when you can tell that they wrote themselves into a corner. I, I really like when you can see how badly, you know, their their bullshit has come back to bite them in the ass where they, they get to a point in the, the writing of this episode and you could almost see the the like the record scratch and the break screech where they go, oh, shit, we need to communicate that Rachel's really or that uh, Lizzie's really conflicted about this racial situation and about Mark and all that. Like, how do we do that? And then they have to, like, run through the Rolodex in their head of characters of who they can put in this spot. And no one makes sense other than Benton. So they have to, like, go dig him up. And I hope. I really, really hope that my man got like a payday for this. Like, I hope that he got some money tacked onto his contract for this because he was done. He was out the door, gone. And so, like, I really hope that that uh, somehow that got negotiated where he got some extra money for this because he deserves it. All right, and then let's go to our final scene of the episode and also our last audio clip here. Uh, Susan's making some. S- Susan is making some soup. Say that five times fast for Mark and taking care of him in the living room. You're out of mustard. Told you I'm not hungry. You have to eat. That's right. Starve a cold, feed a tumor. You need to keep your strength up. I need to take a nap. Well, I'll help you upstairs if you have some soup. No, I mean, right now, right here. What if Rachel comes home? She'll see you're sick. She's sleeping over at a friend's. Mark, you have to have someone watch you following gamma knife therapy. Oh, great. What? I can't close my eye. I've heard of cowboys who sleep with one eye open. I'm glad you think this is funny. Okay. Hold still. You're gonna have to start using artificial tears. How's that? It's good, thanks. Don't let the soup get cold, huh? Okay. I'm just. I'm ready to start. I'm ready to start the crying train already. Okay, you went a completely opposite direction than I did because I'm over here like she's making him soup. Why does she care that he's out of muscle? Okay, thank you, thank you. 
She may have just noticed incidentally. I was like, what kind of sociopath is putting mustard in soup? Okay, that's <laughs> that's far even for me. Excuse you, it's Chicago style soup, so <laughs> it has to have mustard on it. Well no played. Ketchup, but no. I, I like I like how your chosen strategy, your coping strategy with this, is to get ahead of Jake's jokes. Like you're 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 just <laughs> you're just preempting Jake making the Chicago style soup joke, so that you don't have to hear about it in the group chat when the episode comes out. Yep, uh, that's right. I'm on to you, Jake Terrell Esquire. I'm on to you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, other than that, other than the fact, and like, who knows? Maybe it was an empty mustard bottle in there. I'd hope, but it just it always yeah, strikes me something. as she's like, "You're you're out of mustard. Here's your soup." Like it's just it's a little weird. Um, but yeah, I I love them. I love this. I love the bullshit it leads to next episode. Um. I, yeah, I just adore, you know, I've heard of cowboys that sleep with one eye open. Like, fuck you, Susan. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, uh, it makes me sad that they waited this long to re-examine this friendship and this relationship. Like, it it makes me sad that they waited until almost the end of the season before they, because Susan's been back with us for, you know, a good 10, 11 episodes at this point. Yeah. And it, it just sucks that they've let her kind of futz around with Carter for the last, you know, five, six episodes to, to the benefit of no one. Uh, thank God they put that out of its misery next episode. Um, but you know, it's just, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. They, they kind of give you a little bit of a, a taste of it. Like a, when she comes back, like they kind of hint that there's ooh, maybe going to be some drama between Elizabeth and Susan. And like, we're, we're maybe going to, you know, pick up where we left off with that. And then they really don't like, they, they kind of just like relegate her to being, you know, Carter's most disappointing girlfriend. And then, then right at the tail end, it's like, okay, now we'll let you have your cake. And so, but I think overall with this episode, like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm at like, I think, I think this is an episode that my opinion will change on every single time I watch it. Like, I feel like, mm-hmm. cause I feel like it depends on my mood while I'm watching it. Sometimes I, I feel like it strikes just the right notes. And then other times I feel like it is treating the audience like they're stupid and like beating them over the head with the subtlety hammer and like i just that so like on a good day i think i could squeeze an eight out of this episode and on a on a bad day i think it goes down to a you know seven seven and a half like it just kind of it, it loses some of its uh mustard so to speak uh it loses it loses some of its mustard on on a bad watch but on a good watch you know i feel like uh i feel like it's okay yeah i'd give it a solid seven it's it's not yeah. egregious it's fine we move pieces across the board but aside one big piece especially yes and um yeah aside from like mark and or not mark and jerry frank and jerry being excellent yeah and the stuff with mark and susan like most of it i'm just like okay that happened right and you got a harry potter handjob joke out of it like that's what what more can you ask for uh but lauren what the listeners have to say about it uh, we start with Franner W says, dear Dr. Mark Tiberius Green, for the love of God and all that Spreading. is good, stop displaying the stubbornness and closed off behavior that so annoyed you about your father during his life and communicate with your wife. It doesn't even have to be effective communication. Just talk to her. Have a conversation about the time bomb in your head and stop making her feel like shit. Sincerely, everyone who listens to STT. Again, yes, good point, Franner. We didn't scream this episode. Guys, communication is important. Just fucking talk to people. Anyway, um, at MTM says, am I the only one who sort of has a soft spot for annoying teenage Rachel? Luca and his 
Luca, his ridiculous car, and the cop, and Mark having gamma knife surgery and going to work on the same day, not to mention not telling Lizzie about the tumor coming back. I guess both Luca and Mark are dealing with trauma and pain in potentially harmful but very different ways. The gamma knife machine thing looks really scary, though, so I guess I can't really blame Mark. But not talking to the woman who loves him is still stupid. Even though I dislike this storyline, I do love that Susan helps him. Susan and Mark were always great as friends. It was the whole will-they-won't-they thing that didn't feel quite right. Of course Luca has a really hot female friend who opens the door for Abby. And of course Abby jumps to the inevitable, because it's Luca in his man-whore phase. Edit, nope, he's not quite there yet. Thanks for reminding me. I got the seasons all mixed up. But it's still pretty clear what Abby thinks is happening. LOL. Conclusion. It was fun to get just a tiny glimpse of fun, sociable Luca, though who has friends and a social life outside the hospital. We don't get to see this Luca very often, hardly ever, but it makes me think of the episodes with his Croatian med school friend who told Abby stories of Luca before he lost his family. That didn't seem like the Luca she and we know at all. Overall, pretty much everything sucks in this episode. Abusive neighbor doesn't have to go to jail, brain tumor is back, relationship problems, a series of really messed up patients... Thankfully, the next episode is a much lighter, and it's my number two favorite episode ever. I can't wait. And at Zoe Trope says, oh boy, a bunch of on the nose and related to your own problems patients today for Elizabeth. Seriously, though, can Mark and Elizabeth stop being so frustrating? Talk to one another. I already found Elizabeth wanting to get rid of Mark's daughter, terrible step-parenting, and her pretty much giving an ultimatum to Mark to virtually choose one of his daughters is the worst. Way to make the child with the obvious behavioral and mental problems feel even more abandoned by yet another parental figure. I understand that Rachel and Elizabeth have had their differences, and Rachel truly fucked up with the ecstasy, but there's no way she would want her gone if she was her own flesh and blood. Just rubs me the wrong way. On a lighter side, Luca's car and the cop gave me a good chuckle. It's rare to see Luca as anything but the straight man, and so that made me laugh. Also, Frank and Jerry bickering and Frank wanting to fire the new guy made me so happy. They're such an old married couple already. And last but certainly not least, we have at SMB for the win. Oh, Marky Mark, your chickens have come home to roost. You are a shitty partner and a lackluster parent. You, sir, need to deal with the fact that you steamrolled your wife so your teenage daughter could live with you, only for you to not fucking parent her. Now Elizabeth and Ella have, very rightly so, moved out of the out of Green Gables because returning an infant to a household where they just OD'd could probably be considered child endangerment. So no, Mark. They can't come home until you actually be a parent to Rachel and, oh, I don't know, do therapy with her. Ella needs a drug-free home and Elizabeth is doing the correct thing by advocating for the infant who can't even speak yet. Mark, if you want them to come home, then act like a responsible adult, get Rachel some help, and take your family to therapy to slowly rebuild trust. Also, how did the OD not get reported to the police since a minor was involved? Because Mark told someone he'd handle it, and then he didn't. That's a plot hole for someone smarter than us. Oh no, they straight up acknowledge that he blows it off. Oh, I know, I know, I'm just, I don't, I don't know, I feel weird. Okay. That about wraps up our show for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. Where for only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. But for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. 
two week early access to any future casting crew interviews, and over 65 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. And we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Also on Facebook, be sure to check out the official Sign Tone community. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me on my Instagram at Lobo92345, where uh, there's going to be pictures of me boasting about Lizzie and I climbing because Lizzie started climbing with me. <laughs> yeah, that's the, thing I, that's the thing I do now. Check out check out March's edition of The Lounge, where I'm sure Lauren and I will talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter. You can find me. I'm at RandomGamer. That's JM3R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. that you know you give a guy a hand release during Harry Potter and he wants to marry you <laughs>